Welcome to CISO's Insiders Podcast, powered by GRC Consulting. In this podcast, we'll be interviewing leading CISOs and security leaders in the industry for light, eye-level conversations. Here, they share advice and tips, talk about their biggest accomplishments and failures, favorite drinks, key influencers, and much more. We encourage you to walk away with at least one insight that will help you better yourself or your business. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more content, please check us out on social media. Welcome, everybody. Today, I will be speaking to Jared Ablon, who is currently the CEO and founder of HackEDU, an interactive training platform for secure development training. But prior to this current role, uh, Jared was actually the CISO of a company called AirMap for a few years. Uh, before that, he was working for Mitre Corporation, where he led efforts to ensure security of communication technologies for multiple U.S. Air Force programs. And I think prior to that, you were working for the U.S. government. So um, if you wanted to step in and properly introduce yourself, I would be more than happy. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you covered the basics. So I'm currently the co-founder and CEO at HackEDU, a secure coding training platform. Uh, prior to that, I was the CISO at AirMap, uh, which is a company that is building air traffic control for drones. Um, mm, and so I was there for, for several years. Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing there is the, the company, um, you know, they realized early on if they were going to do this, that cybersecurity was something that, that was important for them. <laughs> um, so so it's kind of unique being brought in as a CISO as early as I was, which is not, not typical. Um, and then, yeah, and then I spent, uh, you know, time at, at MITRE Corporation in cybersecurity and then prior to that, the U.S. government. So, um, you know, my total time in, in security has been around 17 years. Okay, impressive, 17 years, yeah. I've been in the market for 21, I think. So we're almost the same in that sense. Um, so, yeah, you know, and before we get started, I always like to, you know, to... Um, to give a brief introduction and basically, you know, this podcast is mostly around you. It's not about, uh, you know, technical issues around around cybersecurity or compliance. It's not about, you know, the product or the product of the companies that you that you were working with. Uh, it's mostly around you, about you and your journey. And in order to accomplish that, I found that it's beneficial to always try to do like a quick, uh, a few quick questions just to break the ice. Uh, could you provide some information about your marital status? I am happily married for uh, a decade now, so 10, 10 years. Okay. You know, no one have ever said that they were unhappily married. So I have to say that. <laughs> uh, and... What about your favorite drink? Uh, currently, I think it's it's white tea. I've been I've been getting into different kinds of teas, and and I think white tea is my my go-to. Okay, interesting. White tea. I'll have to look that up. Uh, okay, um, and let me just dive right in. Um, if there's one thing you wish you'd known before you begin your career, what would that be? Um, I th I think you know. One thing that 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 would have been helpful is to know there's there's many different paths to an you know an end goal in a career right so there's the path of 
you know, working hard and working your way up in one company, right? If, if a CISO, say, for example, is, is a goal for someone, um, you know, they can work their way up in one company for years and years and, and, and go that route. Uh, there's a route of getting in like I did with an earlier stage company and, um, and, and jumping in as a CISO there. I mean, so for example, when I was the CISO at AirMap, you know, I, I was very qualified to be the CISO at AirMap. Uh, however, you know, w- would I have gotten a job as a CISO at a Fortune 100? No, you know, probably not, right? But it, it gave me a, a, a place where I could stretch myself and grow. And then at that point, I could have gone on to bigger CISO roles uh, from there. So, um, so I think just understanding that, you know, there's many different paths to a, a, a um, a destination and and so understanding all of the the potential options. Mm-hmm. But would you g- go to the extent of saying that uh, you know an individual needs to strategize before beginning his career pr- path? I don't think an individual needs to it needs to necessarily strategize. I mean, I I had no plan, right? I knew I knew the job I was going to take out of college, but I didn't know. Uh, where that would take me. I just knew, you know, as long as, you know, someone's in a role where they can learn and grow and stretch themselves, then then there's value there, right? Um, and, and obviously mm-hmm. en- enjoy it. Um, I think those things are extremely important. So I don't think you need a strategy for your whole career mapped out, but I think understanding, am I going to go to this next position and learn and grow and get something out of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that makes sense. Um, and, you know, Looking back at the 17 years that you've been in in the industry, what would you say your biggest failure was and what did you take out of it? Yeah, so I, I wouldn't say this is my biggest failure, but it's definitely one that <laughs> that comes to mind and, and sticks in my mind. It was, you know, I was pretty much uh, fresh out of college, had my first job. Um, you know, I was sitting on a, on a Linux machine uh, and had many terminals open. Uh, one of which was SSH'd into uh, a server um, and, and some others that were that were local. And uh, what I did was I hit, um, you know, I thought I was on uh, a machine, you know, my local machine and I did, you know, RM minus R star, right? So basically for people who don't know, basically delete everything. Um, and so I thought I was locally, I was on the remote server and I was in a root directory and it started taking a long time. I was like, why is it taking so long? I don't have that many files. Uh, and, and, and then I realized that I was actually on the, the server instead of my local machine. So, um, you know, obviously that, that was difficult and, and even more difficult once I stopped it was having to go to my management and letting them know that I had done this on, on a server. Um, so, uh, so that was very difficult. I think, I, I think um, you know, from that, that failure, what, what I learned was, was several things. Um, no, number one is, you know, I, it was definitely the right thing to go to the, my management rather than try to, you know, even though I wanted to duck out and kind of hide and be quiet about it, it was definitely mm-hmm. the right thing to do. And, and, and doing that is important. Um, and then, you know, paying attention to detail and really, um, you know, having attention to detail in, in all work that you do is extremely important. Um, and so I definitely am, uh, you know, much more attentive to detail. Now, obviously, I was very junior in my career then, uh, but um, you know, having that is is important. <laughs> yeah, 
that that brings me back to you know similar experiences I had. I remember one time in a bank server's room where you know I got the I got uh, the, the note to restart the server, and me and my teammate we went ahead and and do and and did that. And just like two minutes after that, someone came in and told us, "Look, this was a production system." People are, are working on it. There were, uh, you know, that was like um, uh, the stock exchange system, basically. So there were there were so many transactions there, and that caused a, a huge loss. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I think we learned something from that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, and and having touched on that, what would you say your biggest accomplishment was? Um, and, and so you know, go, going along with that. Um, you know, one thing I also learned from that experience was you can recover from that, right? I mean, obviously, um, you know, some of my peers would joke and call me RM star and, and things like that. But, you know, as long as you work hard and do good work, you can recover from those things and that won't be the last thing you're remembered by. And so, um, you know, in that office, when I, you know, when I worked for the government, um, there were some really big, you know, national security problems that I helped um, solve. So I think those are, some of my bigger accomplishments. Uh, outside of that, I think my current role right now as a CEO and uh, creating jobs and an impact is, is um, you know, my biggest accomplishment. Mm -hmm. Okay, and, and looking back at your uh, role as a CISO, if someone were to, to want to pursue a career that's similar to yours, and I think you touched on that in the first question, mm -hmm. but what would your advice would be to them what should they do in order to, to you know, to occupy this, the, the position of the CISO at some point in their career? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the, the one thing where people who are not CISO or not close to working with the CISO sometimes don't understand is that the CISO role is is a lot of politicking. Um, you know, it's not necessarily this, uh, you know, this highly technical role where you're going to be doing technical things. So I, I think understanding that, um, that it's a management role and, and that you maybe don't want to jump into that role too early or, you know, um, but, uh, you know, someone who wants to get into it, I think, you know, obviously putting yourself in situations where you're constantly learning, understanding, um, you know, learning different aspects of security. Right now, security is really about specializations. There's just so many different areas of security and trying to get, um, you know, as much uh, as much experience as you can in, in some of those different areas. So you have a good broad understanding of security, how it works, and then, you know, working on some of those management skills on, you know, how, you know, how do you work with people? How are you going to ask for more resources and more budget? How are you going to manage people? Um, you know, all of those things as well. Um, so, you know, for me, it wasn't one necessary, you know, one path, but it was kind of a a cumulative of all the experience I had prior that set me up for uh, for being able to be successful in, in the CISO role. Mm -hmm. And uh, <clears throat> when you occupied that position, were you did you did you report to um, management or were you under IT or the or development? Yeah, so I, I was you know I when I started. So this is as I mentioned, this is very unique. When I started as a CISO at AirMap, I was employee number six, right? So there's not many CISOs that got brought in as employee number six. Uh, it's very, very unique and rare. So at that point, I was put under the CEO, um, and then I stayed as the company grew, um, 
you know, to much, much larger numbers, um, uh, I stayed under the CEO the, the entire time. Okay, okay. But, but in, you know, in some organizations, the CISO is actually like in, in some, in some places, it's part of IT or uh, engineering. Do you have any thoughts about that? Like, uh, can you, you know, can you assume what are the, the pros and cons for that, uh, for that position to be under like such an IT, like an IT department? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, you know, the problem is, you know, security in some sense is going to want to have these organizations, IT or development, right, under the CTO or under the CIO is going to want these organizations to do things, right? And when your boss is is the person who runs that organization, it makes it difficult to um, to, to watch over them and, and make sure they're doing the right things. And you're asking for budget and you're telling them things to do and it, it makes it very difficult, right? Um, now the, the potential is, you know, if you're under the CTO or the CIO and you're at a tech company, they probably have a very large budget, right? And so maybe you can tap into that budget. So that's a pro there. But, but the con is it's definitely, you know, hard to be independent and, um, you know, give exactly uh, the advice and, and, you know, make those tough, tough decisions and tell uh, your manager uh, difficult things. Um, so I, I've seen it, it not work, uh, you know, incredibly well. So I think, you know, obviously reporting the CEO is great, but I know that, you know, CEO, you know, that can be very difficult, but, you know, even reporting to like the CFO or someone who manages a risk is a much better fit um, for the, you know, within uh, organizational structure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and just, you know, based of, on my understanding, so the fact that you were employee number six basically means that they wanted you to be a part of the, of the development, right? They wanted your input on, 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 on their offering, their product and service, correct? Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. So there was a, a product security component to it. Definitely. Okay. Got it. Um, and you know, a lot of uh, CISOs, I think, or uh, self-learners, uh, self-thinkers, could you name like a few best resources that have helped you along the way? Um, well, def definitely the internet. I mean, the internet is a vast pool of resources. Obviously, um, filtering it can be can be difficult, but um, but but you know, t Twitter is an amazing tool. You can find experts in no matter what field and follow them and and get their take on things. Um, and it's it's free. It's actually incredible if you find and follow the right people. Um, so I found that a, a good and useful tool. Um, as far as books, you know, there are, you know, I, I think there's good technical, um, you know, books on security out there. Uh, not as much in terms of, uh, you know, CISO and kind of um, that role. Uh, but but I think you know those are some of the the areas that I've kind of stayed on top top of and 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 used. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I think personally, I know a lot of my colleagues read a lot of, uh, you know, technical books and books about cybersecurity and etc. I don't think I've ever read a book about that. You know, most I spend my my time reading uh, books either, you know, f for leisure or, uh, you know, like business related books. But um, I just find it, uh, I mean, I don't find it that interesting to tell the truth. I, I mostly learn online as, as well. Yeah. Uh, could you name a few individuals that were that have been the most influential to you? Yeah, so you know, 
with this question. So I'm I'm not the type of person who's who's influenced very easily. I'm I'm influenced by by more facts and digging in, right? So people kind of, you know, I'll take advice and and things that people tell me and kind of dig in a little bit more. Um, and so um, yeah, I think that I, I actually get that from from my father. He was an an attorney, someone who would you know question things and kind of look in, in, into different things. So I'd say he's been influential in in that respect. But for the most part, you know, like I said, I'll, I'll you know, follow people on Twitter. I'll do a lot of research online, um, but it's less about certain individuals and more uh, collectively. What am I hearing from from people? Um, and I, I think that's been um, you know most influential, especially you know when you think about <clears throat> uh, different vendors and you know who to look at and what to use for for products. A lot of that comes from um, you know cumulatively from a lot of different people. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you basically, you intake a lot of data, you process it, and you make your own mind, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, definitely. <laughs> is there any one common myth about the CISO profession or the cybersecurity field that you wanted to debunk? Um, so, I mean, I think, you know, obviously outside of, of cybersecurity, the, the profession, right, non-technical people, I think it kind of have... Uh, a, a skewed view of, of what organizations, you know, how they, they deal with cybersecurity. I think, you know, internally at a lot of companies, uh, security is, is a very messy thing. It's not something where you're like, oh, it's this massive company, they're, they're on top of cybersecurity. Um, you know, just the, the lack of resources in cybersecurity, uh, both money and, and human capital, makes it um, a very difficult field. And so a lot of companies that people think, you know, oh, they have their stuff together, you know, cybersecurity is great there, you know, they don't always, um, and, and not to say that they're not trying as hard as they can, but it's just a very difficult, difficult role. Yeah, yeah. And I think Messi sums it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, can, can, in your experience, you know, uh, from your previous positions, what do you think are the main concerns of CISOs that, like, what are the main concerns that CISOs have nowadays? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest, you know, like I, I mentioned just, just previously is, is a lack of resources, right? It's just, you know, not enough money, not enough human capital. I, I don't think I've ever met a CISO that is, um, that says they don't need any more resources, that they're good <laughs> where they're at. Um, there, there's always more to do. Uh, it's a, as I mentioned, it's a very difficult role. There's no one thing that kind of fixes everything. There's no one product or one one way of doing things. And so because of that, it is a, a very difficult role. Um, and I, I think all CISOs are really concerned with just a lack of resources, making sure they have enough resources to be doing what they need to be doing in, in their roles. Okay. And, you know, going back to your position as a CISO, could you share like what did your day look like? What was your daily routine back then? Yeah, so, you know, I definitely, and I think, you know, I definitely try to stay on top of, you know, cybersecurity news and what's going on and different threats and things like that. So, you know, CyberWire was definitely, uh, you know, a big one for me because um, it kind of uh, pulled in a bunch of happenings in the security field. So, so that was always important to kind of keep on top of. Um, you know, my role as a CISO, as you mentioned, was, you know, product security focused. So obviously, um, deal, you know, helping with application security and making sure we had enough resources there. 
that was a big focus. Um, <laughs> obviously, uh, corporate security was another aspect of it. So making sure we were doing all the right things there. But I mean, really what it came down to, um, you know, was making sure we had the basics in place. Um, you know, uh, when you start at an earlier stage company and even as you grow, making sure you have the basics in place and then it can scale with your organization, right? Uh, things like single sign-on, um, you know, two-factor authentication for things, um, security awareness training, um, you know, and then doing the right things in terms of a secure software development lifecycle on the product side. Mm -hmm. And so it was about managing that. Obviously, priorities were were all over the place. And I was also, you know, I was being a thought leader in, in the field of drones and drone security and helping to propose, um, you know, like remote identification for drones and things like that. And so I was I was a part of those things as well. So it, it was definitely a lot going on. I definitely didn't have enough resources <laughs> the whole time I was there, but but that's startups in general. Yeah, and can I just assume right now, because we don't really know each other, but can I assume that that experience, that you experienced some kind of like a pain points, uh, a pain point in and around the SDLC space that triggered you to basically go out and uh, and found and, and found your own company. Yeah, definitely. I mean, at the at the time, you know, the the hands on like online training, um, you know, just really didn't exist. There was there's always been you know good in person hands on training, but it's very expensive. It doesn't scale. You know, it wasn't great. You know, application security is something I I had a focus on at, in that role. And prior to that, um, I was working on application security for uh, GPS systems for the Air Force. And so I saw a lot of um, of the ugly when it comes to application security. And so I saw there's definitely an opportunity to do much better in terms of um, setting developers up for success with with really great training that can actually reduce vulnerabilities in software. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, thank you. And in your opinion, and I'm assuming you you talk, we still talk to a lot of colleagues and CISOs in in the industry. Uh, do you think there is there was any major change in terms of budget planning if we compare 2021 to 2020 or even to 2019? Yeah. So you know what 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 I saw was. You know, there was definitely a, a hesitancy once once everything happened with, with COVID, right, at, at the end of Q1. There was definitely a hesitancy on the part of security and just in general budget planning. Everyone was kind of like, I have no idea what's going to happen. Let's kind of freeze and reassess. Um, after that period happened, then it basically came back, um, you know, the cybersecurity spending was was pretty similar for the most part. Obviously, there were some industries that were more affected that that didn't quite come back, right? Like the travel industry, they weren't spending their security budget as they were in the past, but but a lot of other companies were. Um, and so I, you know, I think it was, you know, very similar to 2019. It just kind of had a different, um, you know, flow of how that budget was being allocated and when it was being allocated. And I think in 2021, I think. You know, so far it's been pretty strong, and I think as things start opening up uh, in in the U.S. and around the world, I think security budgets are even going to get bigger because I, I I think there's going to be a a boom in the economy once once things start opening up more and more. Mm -hmm. Okay, and and would you say that more budget will be allocated nowadays because of the hybrid? Uh... Uh, the hybrid, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, 
like the, the way like business remote, now. remote yeah. work yeah like yeah. Remote work yeah I, I think there definitely is more more budget for for things like that and and trying to make sure that people can work home uh, effectively and and still maintain a high level of security so I, I think that is a part of it um, uh, and and so there has been for some companies a, an increase in budget but I think more and more I mean we'll see what happens in terms of companies uh, you know if they go back to the office or, or not and what they decide to do um, you know it, I, I assume it will be some hybrid and and that you know, security spending for a hybrid model and making sure that that everything is secure in that sense uh, will probably go up a bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know, when uh, like asking a CISO, uh, like what they like most about vendors, and if you were, you know, if you can put yourself in the shoes of a vendor as a CISO, what is the what's the one promise that you make to yourself that you, that you wouldn't that you will never do? <laughs> Uh, well, so, so the interesting thing, obviously now I, I am a vendor, right? So I'm on the other side of the table, but I, I used to hate vendor sales pitches, right? And, and, and I still, I still do, but you know, what I've learned from being on the vendor side of the table is that it's, it's really about trying to solve problems, right? So if you're actually solving a problem, then selling is not bad, but the, the problem is there, there is a lot of junk out there and a lot of junk is being sold on security people, right? A lot of snake oil. And so that makes it really, uh, really difficult. Um, yeah. And so, so yeah, I mean, it's tough. I see, I definitely see both sides. I know CISOs are inundated with pitches about products and it's hard to wade through what works and what doesn't and measure, you know, how do you measure what works and what doesn't. And so, you know, it, it's definitely difficult for, for CISOs to navigate. Yeah, but on the flip side, now that you are in the seat of a vendor, you know that you know uh, that that you want to build an organization that that's able to scale up. So at some point, you know, you some organizations would create this junk that you that, that you're speaking about, right? So I think there's a fine balance here, like between what's really you know adding value as opposed to you know just creating too much noise, basically. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I mean, when I say junk, I mean junk products, but there are, there are junky ways to sell, right? Um, you know, definitely, um, you know, there there was, uh, you know, a, a vendor that I told no, and they would literally call me every day. And I would, every time I would say, no, I'm not interested. And they just would keep calling and calling. That That is too much. Or, or if you're breaking certain, you know, other things, I've seen vendors that would, um, you know, you know, find personal emails and cell phones and, and try to get a hold of people that way or, you know, do a little too much creeping online. So, uh, you know, that, that's when it kind of crosses a line. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and actually, you know, that, that's, uh, that might be aligned with my next question, unless you have another specific example here. What was the most annoying sales pitch that you've encountered as a CISO? Yeah, I mean, I think I think when you tell someone no that you're, that you're not interested, and they just continually call and call and call, that's definitely um, you know that's very annoying, and that definitely uh, crosses the line. <laughs> yeah, but when you occupied that seat of a CISO, what was it that you were looking for in a vendor, basically? Yeah, I mean, I, I was always looking for a vendor that would solve a problem that I have. You know, personally, I would usually do a lot of research prior to reaching out to a vendor. So I would have a very good idea of, of the product and what I'm looking for. And 
I would not like when, you know, you talk to a vendor for the first time and they want to ask you 20 questions and they want to know all about you. And it's like, no, I, I know about the product. I know what I need. I just want very specific questions answered, right? I want pricing. I want, you know, can I get a trial and try it out? I want, you know, very specific questions. So I think in looking for a vendor, I want a vendor that works with me and my personality in terms of how I want to be sold versus saying, I'm going to put you in a box and I'm going to ask you, you know, 20 questions, no matter what. I remember there was, there was one salesperson I was, I was talking to and they, you know, I was like, no, you don't need to ask me questions. Here's my questions. Let's just kind of move forward. And I mean, I was ready to make a purchase, but they just kept wanting to ask the same questions over and over again, because that was their process and they didn't know anything outside of that process. Okay. Thank you. So. <laughs> and, and, and looking back at that period of time in your life, were there, and, and I know you said there, you're not really easily influenced by, by individuals, mm -hmm. but were there any like seasons out there that you were like really looking up to? Yeah, I mean, so there was a group of, um, of you know, security leaders and I'm based in Los Angeles and Los Angeles area. We would get together and kind of talk through different problems and things like that. So, so I think that group was really good. Um, I, you know, currently, you know, there's obviously a lot of CISOs that are a lot bigger on social media and people know about, but there's a lot of CISOs that are more quiet and are really focused on their organization and solving their problems. There's a lot of them out there that are really doing amazing things, even though you might never hear about them. And so those are the CISOs that I tend to gravitate towards because they're really focused, you know, internally on solving solving their problems. And, you know, I work with several, several now that I think are pretty, pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so just for, uh, to, to enlighten, uh, our listeners, what would be the best way to uh, connect with you online? Is it LinkedIn, Twitter, any other social media platform? Yeah, LinkedIn is is uh, is great. Um, that's a great way to connect with me. Um, you know, Jared Ablon, and then um, uh, you know, email is always good as well. Uh, Jared at hackytoyou.com. So okay. always happy to to chat with people. Great, great. Um, what would you say was the you know single most important thing to you in, in your career? I think the most important thing is is enjoying what I'm doing. Um, there have been times in my career where I got into a role and it was good for a little while and then it stopped being enjoyable. Mm -hmm. And so you know what I realized was the percentage of my time that I spend working is just too high to do something that I don't like. And so if I get to a point in a certain role or a certain career path that I don't like, you know, it's time to, to look for something else and, and really stretch myself, try to learn more. You know, those are things that are really important to me. I mean, I know a lot of people who, um, you know, they, they count their days until retirement, right? Um, which, which is great, but it's, you know, you should enjoy the journey along the way. Um, it, it's not just about the destination. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I like the fact that you're quoting Aerosmith here, but, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I think, I think it's a common theme of uh, when, when I talk with CISOs, uh, you know, to mention the passion, that passion is an integral part. And if you don't have that, so, you know, you'd be burned out basically, yep, but sure. um, okay. So before, and even if you have the passion, you can still you can still burn out. Yeah, yeah you can still burn out. Yeah, of course. It's very, very difficult. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Uh, so just a couple of uh, not a, a couple of more questions before we we can wrap this up. If you had unlimited funds, what would you do with your life? 
Um, I mean, I think first I would take just a, a little vacation, just take a break, <laughs> take a breather, uh, definitely spend, you know, a bit more time with, with family and then, you know, probably would start another company. You know, there's a lot of interesting problems to be solved right now, um, you know, in many different areas and, and definitely in security. Security still has a lot of problems to kind of tackle. And so I would probably, uh, you know, start another company there. It's what I enjoy and what I'm passionate about. Okay, great. And, um, you know, just like uh, for a final question here, do, do you have like anything that you've listened to, watched recently that has inspired you and you want to share? I mean, it, it, it can also be like a favorite book or anything like that. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I re recently listened to, um, you know, Tim Ferriss has a podcast. Uh, there's an interesting one uh, with um, Balaji on it. And he kind of talked about uh, very interesting things happening in the decentralized technology space, right? With uh, blockchain and cryptocurrency and things like that. Um, and, and I think there's a lot there that security can learn from. And so to me, that was pretty interesting. So I'd, I'd recommend that podcast if, uh, okay. if if you're looking for something interesting to listen to. So that was Tim Ferriss. And what was the name of the, of the episode? Did you know? Balaji is B-A-L-A-J-I. He's the, uh, he, okay. he, he was a CTO at Coinbase for a little bit um, and then worked at uh, as an investor at Andreessen Horowitz for a little bit as well. Okay, thank you. Um, and so let me just take this opportunity to to thank you for taking the time. You know, I do think you have a unique uh, story to tell that might resonate with a lot of our listeners. You know, the fact that you grew in the security industry, then you moved at some point to the vendor side. I think that uh, that provides like um, a meaningful uh, uh, insight and experience share. So hopefully that would resonate. Uh, and yeah, just, you know, thank you again for taking the time to be on the, on this podcast, Jared. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, it's been, it's been fun. <laughs> yeah. Same here.